Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. We're back at it again this week, a little bit later on in the week because of scheduling issues and what have you. But we're excited to be back together to talk about so many things in the world of geek and a big shout out to our new graphics, our new overlay uh, my brother Tushka Productions changing look overall of the Outlaw Nation show by show here over the next few weeks. And this is our new kind of look now. We wanted you all to have a, a, a bigger idea of the three of us and what we look like in our natural habitats as we talk about uh, the stuff that we're talking about. We're going to get into so many things here today. Trailers. We're going to get into some the, the Batman first reactions. We're talking about that Oscars controversy, some Star Trek news. All of it we're going to cover today here on The Geek Buddies. But let's introduce ourselves first. I'm the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies in the Outlaw Nation. I am Bye. Michael Vogel, a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. Dan, this is Shane Long. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Silicon Valley, and the Goldbergs. That's right. And uh, gentlemen, how are you two doing? How are things in your worlds? How is your lives going right now? I, mean, I feel great. I got this new, I got this brand new look on Geek Buddies. Feel like I got myself a little YouTube facelift. Looking good. Looking nice. Um, other than that, yeah. how's everything? I'm busy. I'm writing. I'm, uh, you know, the world's the world's falling apart. But uh, Strawberry Shortcake's got to endure. So that's uh, that's been my week. How about you guys? Well, yeah. How about you, Shannon? How are you feeling? How are things? Oh, just fine. Um, I, yeah. you know, I'm still uh, getting used to to living in my my wife's apartment. Like, you know, I oh, only no. moved in less than a no, month no. ago. It's that's your apartment your, now. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we we've we've had some we've had some growing pains, but at the end of the oh. day, like you know, we talk about like, boy, I'm really getting irritated with you right now. I'm like, yeah, likewise, getting irritated with you too. But oh, hey, good. I still love you. I love you too. So you know. I'm sure there are good times as well. I'm sure there are good times as oh, well. Oh no, it's mostly yeah? good times, okay. but okay. but the but the not as good times are funnier. Yeah. What uh sure. what uh what what kind of struggles have you guys had so far? In this, uh, <laughs> what what possibly why? could you have gotten why? in trouble for? <laughs> that I'm not gonna get into. Oh, oh. <laughs> we're not gonna get into that. We're not gonna get into that because uh, I don't get into that. Because <laughs> I know. Because I know why. I know why. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah oh yeah. really. Oh, I don't get those text messages anymore. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I was there. Oh, I was there when it happened. I saw it. I saw I saw the slow crumbling downfall of Shannon McClung, newlywed husband and the and the and the righteous. I'm not going to I'm not going to put her in the in the bad spot and the righteous anger of the lady McClung. And it was it was a hell of a thing to see. 
she's not the lady mcclung from what i understand so no uh, she yeah. is not no she's not she is not changing her last name no we, we we had a conversation about that and she's like do you care about this and i'm like i really don't and honestly from <laughs> from my past experience with my first marriage this is a this is a pain so <laughs> if you want to do that have at it i'm not gonna stop you but trust me this is a this is a lot of hoops to jump through she's like yeah i'm just gonna keep my name i'm like great Shannon McClung, feminist. Who knew? All right, shout out to yeah, you. Yeah, we're very, we're very modern. We're very yeah. European. <laughs> so modern. I mean, just super. <laughs> um, yeah, but I asked these gentlemen how they're feeling because, you know, we are sponsored by Carbon Health. The fantastic folks over there at Carbon Health. CarbonHealth.com. There you see them. Yeah, Mike pointing to them. They are beautifully a part of our show, supporting us, powering our show every week, and all the reviews we do on the Geek Buddies every week. And they are a fantastic company that believes that healthcare should be accessible to everyone. They've got all kinds of things going on for you to take a look at and get healed today. Go and get tested, go and get a physical. If you're going overseas, they handle your business there as well. They've got so many situations for you to be taken care of with urgent care, primary care, virtual care. As I've said before, 90 clinics in 14 states, virtual care and 24 states. And, you know, we're going to get into the Batman. I saw it last night. I'm not allowed to say anything, but quite a few people in that movie could have used Carbon Health right after their interaction with the Batman. Let me just put that on the table as well. But go, yeah, exactly. You see the trailer. Go and <laughs> even check for that. Out uh, even for that light and fluffy PG-13 rating, it's still. Uh... You know what? Yeah, all right. I can eat my words. I, you know, that's fine. I don't, I, don't, I don't gloat about being right about Andrew Garfield. Come on. Yeah, but yeah, there you go. So go to carbonhealth.com and check them out today. All right, let's jump into things. Uh, the way this works, the, the show works, is each of us to, uh, brings up a certain geek topic. We talk about it amongst ourselves. So there's three topics. Then we take a break and jump into our main topic. And our main topic today, how can it not be, is the Oscars controversy when they've cut out eight of those categories that they're from the live broadcast and certainly for the three of us who have enjoyed and loved the Oscars for a number of years, it's going to be an interesting conversation to have for sure. Uh, but, and for those of you who are new, thanks so much for taking a chance on us. For those of you who are coming back, thanks so much for staying on the train. So let's jump into our first thing. And how can we not start with the Batman? Some first reactions were released early and they're very good. We're getting this from screen Ray who, who compiled these things together here. The official review embargo for the Batman is at 9 a.m. on Monday, 9 a.m. PT on Monday. So I can't talk about it. Saw it last night. But a new Instagram post from MTV UK, which has been taken down, by the way. I tried to go find it. They took it down. They had a video which intercut clips from the film along with some fun facts. It also featured selected pull quotes and buzzwords that described the film as euphoric, sensational, and gripping Hannah Flint over at MTV Movies says, Matt Reeves delivers a nail-biting and fun Batman coming-of-age story. Unilad says, it's absolutely euphoric. Total Film, which I read on occasion, called it sensational. Empire Magazine called it gripping. Shortlist said, one hell of a movie. And The Insider said, Robert Pattinson will be your new favorite Batman. So this post, this video was probably posted by mistake, but then again, Vogel, I go to you first on this. You've worked in studios. Do you really believe that MTV UK, with all of us on the way lower level here, knowing when the embargo is up, posted this with a little bit of the WB approval or wink and side eye because they were all positive comments and then had it taken down just to get people more excited to see it next week? What do you think happened to you? I mean, look, if if... If something something is released with no spoilers and it's all glowing, I don't know that any studio is getting really upset about it. So, <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, like, if it was, like, garbage, worst Batman, boy, do I miss Schumacher, yeah. and they put it up there, then maybe you're like, yeah, okay, can we not? Can we not? We've got an embargo. But uh, but with, with, with words like euphoric and saying that Pattinson's going to be your new favorite Pattinson... Uh, I think that uh, I think that nobody's really really upset that uh, it got it got up a few days maybe before it should have. Fair so, you know, so well, you can't say a lot. Like you can't say too much right now. No. Shannon and I were talking yesterday about how like within just within the past 24 hours, you know, with all of the uh, with everybody going to the screenings that could go to the screenings and kind of like this new buzz popping up. Man, the hype train has left the station. Like we've I feel yeah. like Batman, it's been so long since we've been waiting for the Batman. It's been sort of at a slow simmer 
because we've had our Mandalorians and we've had our Marvel TV shows and we've had our Spider-Man No Way Home. And so we knew the Batman was on the horizon, but it was just like at a low simmer. And in the past like day and a half, my hype for this movie has just absolutely gone through the roof. Like I truly cannot wait to go see it. I also don't want to know. I want to know as little as possible going in. So even before we started this recording and Shannon was asking John what he thought of the movie, I was like, I don't, I don't want to know. Um, (laughs) But the words that I'm hearing make me happy so far. So like I, it'll be Monday through Thursday is going to be interesting. Like once the review embargo is lifted, it's going to be very, very tough for me to navigate my life between Monday and Thursday evening. But uh, I'm going to do my best. Shannon, what do you think? Uh, yeah, uh, Shannon, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on this? When you hear these words, euphoric, you hear these words that he's going to be their favorite. It's going to be your favorite Batman, sensational, gripping, one hell of a movie. I mean, these are all really positive words, as Michael pointed out. Like, you want to use those words in describing a Batman film to get people excited to go see it. So what did you think when you heard these terms? I mean, it's interesting because a lot of the uh, folk, like there was an article that you sent, I think it was from MovieWeb, that did talk about uh, Robert Pattinson specifically. And comparing the reception to his Batman, to me, almost seems like we haven't seen this since like Michael Keaton's Batman or Heath Ledger's Joker, where the initial announcement was made. And there was a lot of like from from the fan base at large. I mean, yeah. like had the Internet been around when Michael Keaton was announced as Batman back in the 80s, uh, I'm sure there would have been a shitstorm. But like yeah. Christian Bale, when he was announced, the fan base kind of rejoiced. Like that's someone they had talked about being uh, being Batman for a long time. When Ben Affleck's was um, announced, it was another kind of rrr. but also it wasn't his movie like it was a two hander movie. And. And I think the fan base has turned around on on Affleck a lot, quite a bit. But watching Pattinson, like literally comparing it to like Heath Ledger, um, the the comparison to like, oh, it's the Twilight Batman or it's Sparkly Batman, mm. and then you see him come out and get all of this praise and all of this um, adulation. Like it, it's it's really really it's really encouraging because you know we all want to see a good uh, a good movie, but we also want to see a really really good batman movie and, it, and it's been a while <laughs> since we have had a really good uh batman movie and like thinking about when like I, I know when he was announced my first um response my first um it my instinct was to be like ah that, he's always very cagey with the press and with the media and when you kind of hit your wagon of this like you're gonna be on the junkets like you're gonna be doing junkets you're gonna be on the 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 press tours and yeah. do we want a, a, an actor who has been, again, a little cantankerous with the press? You know, do you want this guy to be the face? And it was interesting because it, it, like, uh, someone had sent a clip, I believe it was from a Jimmy Kimmel interview, yeah. where it was, oh, it was you, John. Yeah, yeah. you sent yeah. that out, didn't you? Yeah, well, um, he was manifesting the Tom Holland conversation. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, I mean, I don't know if this is actually who Robert Pattinson is or if the 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 uh, uh, the PR team has done a number on him but i mean this is a different guy yeah. than we've seen in the past this is a guy who seems kind of, he who seems warm who seems enthusiastic and and excited and like watching him go back and forth with Jimmy Kimmel telling the story about Tom Holland when they shot the uh, the Lost City of Z um like yeah that was that was a really encouraging thing to see and to find out that his performance backs it up as well it's it's very exciting and the fact that they just released the entire batman uh soundtrack on apple music i've been listening to it all morning yeah i i I stayed up till 1 a.m last night um because i you know because i was processing my thoughts on the movie i can't say one way or the other um and listen to that soundtrack all the way through to kind of get me back in the mood of that I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna put words in your mouth. Yeah. But I will say that if I hated a movie, I probably wouldn't listen to the soundtrack for hours processing my thoughts. So I will take that as an encouraging sign. But you don't say anything because I don't want you to get in trouble. No, I don't know. I mean, you listen. To, you listen to Greatest Showman all the time. You didn't like the movie, right? Or no, I'm just joking. I love the movie. I think the movie's ridiculous, and I think it's not P.T. Barnum's life. But you took me to see that movie, and I watched it then ten more times in the theater. Like I just kept going back with people. Um, so yes, but I don't, eh, I guess there's a couple tracks in Rise of Skywalker that I still do listen to on occasion. So yeah, oh, maybe. Yeah. 
where's your hype train at for yourself, Mike? You talked about the hype train earlier, you know, reading these comments, but also like, you know, seeing people like um, John Campion talked about this on his show and he, he had friends text him crafty. John is so crafty. Like we're not allowed to say what we feel about the show about the film because of the embargo, but you can read other people's and that's a way to get around that, which I thought was really clever. When you hear other people talking about it, you hear other people saying pot, like, where is your mindset now? You talk about the low simmer, but are you like now, are you starting to raise your expectations as you start to hear some of these words themselves? Do you find that's dangerous for you? Where are you at right now? I mean, no, I mean, I, I don't think my, I don't think I ever had low expectations, but okay. there was just always, you know, I think that maybe I will say that I think there was a period, especially because we had just such a long wait for the movie. Where True. You're kind of like, really? I've seen a lot of Batman movies. I've seen yeah. some really good Batman movies. I've seen some really bad Batman movies. I love Batman, but we've gotten a lot of Batman out there. So I think there was probably a point in the middle where even though I was excited about the concept, I was always sort of on board with the cast. I was kind of like, you know, are they really going to bring us something new? Is this really going to feel fresh and different? Right, right. And I do think that the response that we're hearing so far does get me hyped that I am going to get something, either something that's new uh, for Batman or more specifically, I think something that maybe people who love Batman comics, people who love Batman animated, people who love Batman video games haven't necessarily seen in the movies and that we're going to get to see a movie version that is more reflective of the Batman that we like in other media. Okay. Uh, Shan, where, where's your expectations level at this point now? I mean, very high. It was never not okay. high. Like anytime, anytime a, a, another filmmaker and another actor gets, gets there at bat, um, as the bat, um, it's always exciting. <laughs> that, not unintentional. <laughs> I, I, I wish I had thought of it beforehand. I would have leaned into it a little bit more. Um, but it, it, it's always exciting when you get to see another take on, uh -huh. on, on a on a on a classic on a classic hero on a classic character. Um, and on our scores thread that Vogel and really? I are on, he put out before the whole uh, score dropped. He put yeah. out there were three tracks. It was the Batman theme, the Riddler theme. And the Catwoman theme, oh. and like listening to those, I texted him afterwards. I'm like, I am very curious to hear how these three different pieces of music kind of string together, yeah. because they're very, they're all awesome, but they're very different. Um, yeah. And and I, you know, I won't get into the specifics just in case our audience is not into that. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, they're definitely when they've talked about the influences for this film, sort of the you know the noir noir detective the chinatown influence like you can hear that in in some of the music and some of the, some of the music is completely different from that so yeah. again i'm so so curious to uh to uh uh just you know see it for myself and figure out how those all mm -hmm. get together and also i'm excited to go see a big movie with all of my friends i mean you know we haven't done this since um spider-man which granted that was not that long ago but you know in the before times like this was something during during the holiday season, during summer, that we would do once a week, every other yeah. week. And the fact that we haven't been able to do it since December, I'm looking forward to watching a movie with my buddies. Yeah, and we will be doing that. I, I'm driving up to see the movie with these two gentlemen and a, a bunch of our friends, and uh, maybe we'll record an out of the theater or just out of the theater reaction with the three of us to talk about it for like five minutes and put it up on the channel as well. I already recorded my just out of the theater reaction. I almost dropped it last night because I did a nonverbal one and I thought, maybe I can get away with it, doing it that way. But then I thought, well, why piss off Warner Brothers? I don't want to do that yet. So uh, I'm yeah. just picturing some Warner Brothers executive having to listen to your nonverbal grunts and moans about Batman and deciding whether or not <laughs> no! that breaks the embargo. <laughs> there, were, there were no grunts <laughs> or moans. <laughs> hey, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I didn't even think about doing grunts and moans. I just I had a look on my face. That's all I had. So, and, yeah. and, and, I, and I will add here, as someone who has witnessed John do a VO, VO audition where they want a Chewbacca-like character, <laughs> I can tell you, it would be a fascinating thing to watch. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, all right, so that thing's coming out next week, y'all. Get ready, and uh, I would definitely recommend you seeing it IMAX if you can see it in IMAX. That's what I would say, and leave it at that before I get in trouble here. Uh, all right, let's move on to our second thing here. Mike, I think you're taking us into the world of Star Trek. Is that correct? I am. Let's boldly go where lots of people have been going, but <laughs> on big screens, not in a minute. Um, so on February 15th, uh, Paramount announced with J.J. Abrams that...
Uh, they were going to be going back to the big screen. J.J. Uh, Abrams said that we are thrilled to say that we are hard at work on a new Star Trek film that will be shooting by the end of the year that will be featuring our original cast. Uh, so definitely everyone got very excited about that news. There's been a lot of starts and stops with the live-action Chris Pine-led uh, Star Trek franchise. Uh, now, the part that's interesting about this story that I thought was really kind of funny is that uh, in addition to fans being surprised that we had a new Star Trek coming along, <laughs> the whole cast was pretty surprised about this announcement that said they were all coming back and that they were going to be Gosh. shooting by the end of the year because apparently they don't have any deals, uh, which was pretty funny, um, but also pretty revealing um, for how badly Paramount wants this and how badly Paramount wanted some big news. Uh, you know, usually you don't make a big announcement where you say you have the entire cast when you don't have the cast, because then you kind of lose your leverage, and all that cast that you announce can ask for a shit ton of money. And so clearly, Paramount wanting to tell their investors some big news, uh, and with the success of Star Trek on streaming, on Paramount Plus, with all the TV series that have been popping up over the past couple years, uh, they've decided to go big into Star Trek, and I guess they decided to let go of their leverage and be okay with the fact that everyone's going to be like, well, now if you want me, you got to pay me the big bucks. So that's actually probably not a great thing for Paramount Business Affairs, but it is a great thing for Star Trek fans because it means that uh, Paramount clearly is seeing Star Trek as... Uh, as, as, as more of a crown jewel than probably they have in a long time. I think that's largely due to the TV series that are on right now. Uh, you know, I mean, what do we have? We have Discovery, we've got Brave New Worlds coming out, yep. um, we've got Picard, we've got Lower Decks, we've got Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, you know, there's a whole lot of Star Trek happening right now, and I think that uh, they're seeing success in that. So we're gonna get to see another adventure with our alternate universe enterprise crew. Where will they go? What will they do? What will this movie be about? The only thing that we know for sure is it won't be Quentin Tarantino's. Uh, what do you guys think of this new uh, Star Trek news? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm excited. I didn't like Beyond, but I did like the first movie and I will defend Into Darkness until the reveal. Um, I liked it until the reveal. Um, and I, I love that they're all coming back, if they're all coming back. Now, I mean, another part to add to this is that apparently, this, according to DHR, the script and the budget even have yet to be finalized for the supposedly 2023 film. So it doesn't 100% have, have the green light. But, Mike, you make up an interesting point. Leverage here. The studio may also be playing games a little bit here by announcing the cast because the agents apparently had no idea. And that's that's a real weird decision to make on the level possibly of Warner Brothers announcing day and date movies all last year without telling the production companies of those films or the directors and actors and producers of those films that it was going to happen. This is an interesting decision because yes, you may be giving up leverage, but on the same side, PR wise, you could be pressuring these actors to sign these contracts. If they don't come back, well, we're going to have to recast. We'll have to go another direction, blah, blah, blah. And it makes them possibly look bad to the fan base that wants to see them all get together. So it's an interesting game of power dynamics the studio uh, is pulling here with this situation, especially because, as you said, they have really, like, as Disney, as much as Disney has dialed in Star Wars, Paramount has dialed in Star Trek with a bunch of new content to bring that IP back to life in a powerful and interesting way to appeal to multiple generations. So, yes, I'm excited that J.J. Abrams is involved. I'm excited that they've announced the cast is coming back, but the fact that it's not official makes my excitement be a little more tepid than I would normally be because I love the I love these this crew together. They're great. The actors are all great. Uh, uh, but Chris Pine, you got to bring back Chris Pine and and Quinto, uh, and you know just the main characters, the main actors rather. Uh, Shannon, what do you think? Yeah, I mean the the premise that they had for Star Trek Four from a few years ago mm. that was supposed to be sort of the time traveling adventure with Kirk yeah. and Chris Hemsworth coming back to play his dad. Like obviously, you know, we don't know what that movie was going to be, yet, right. but I thought the idea of that was really interesting. And having two of the four Chris's together act on the same screen, playing father and son, I'm like, God, that seems like a great idea. And when mm. that kind of went away. Um, as you know, as we've talked about, like I'm not the biggest Star Trek guy, but I do love that first J.J. Abrams movie. I mean, that was the one that that got me to give Star Trek uh, Star Trek a uh, a second look. Um, not a big fan of Into Darkness and Beyond seemed like ah, this seems like a like a really good episode of the television show. Yeah. Um, so it, it is interesting that Paramount is viewing Star Trek 
as a big screen commodity, like, like, yes, it's, it's very popular on television, but like, don't let that cast go. As you said, John, yeah. Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Zoe Saldana, John Cho, Simon Pegg. I mean, you know, these are, these, they have great, great chemistry together. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, cause I believe Matt Shackman of WandaVision mm-hmm. fame is, is signed yeah. on to direct it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was, you know, very in demand and post WandaVision. So the fact that this is what he wanted, he wants to do, like, I'm, I'm excited, but at the same time, my, uh, my enthusiasm has, has cooled on the franchise while loving, loving the cast. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, you know, Alex Kurtzman, who's kind of, uh, who's an overall at Paramount, I think through 2026 and is kind of the creative step, you know, EP and all the Star Trek stuff and kind of like shepherding it all through, like they've done a very nice job between like what's going on in Discovery and sort of building mm-hmm. out the future of the Federation and and Picard particularly kind of had some very specific ties to the Chris Pine movie and what had happened to the Romulans. I mean, everything that kind of caused Eric Bana's character to sort of shuttle into this other universe in the Chris Pine movie was sort of confirmed at the beginning of Picard with what happened to the Romulans. Um, yeah. So if getting a little nerdy for a second. But what I'm really curious about is as they've been sort of figuring things out and as they're seeing a lot of success in the sort of Kurtzman Star Trek world that has been sort of established with all the shows that are going on, um, do they have some kind of story that kind of ties the alternate universe that we know from Chris Pine back in? Like, I think one of the reasons why Star Trek Beyond is, a, I, I agree with Shannon, it just kind of feels like a nice episode of a TV series, but they kind of stepped away from the core concept. Like, what made the original reboot was so great was that we had this major shift in a timeline that spiraled this onto its all like it's it's a multiversal thing like a thing happened and here is a different universe with these characters going through different things and even though into darkness i will not defend as much as john will uh (laughs) they were at least still trying to do the whole concept of oh well this is this universe con right and if they can kind of take the this alternate universe in the movies and maybe find some ways to tie it back into the universe that they're building in the TV series, I think that will actually get like the hardcore Star Trek fans who are really, for the most part, enjoying what's happening on Paramount Plus right now um, back on board with what this universe is in the movies, which is a parallel universe. You know, as much as we talk about Marvel sort of establishing their multiverse and Doctor Strange 2 kind of bringing in all the elements of the Marvel multiverse, and DC, we know with Flash getting into a multiverse, Star Trek really quietly kind of established their own little mm. multiverse before anybody else did. And if they can yeah. kind of make some uh, make a meal out of that with this movie, I think that would be a really smart move. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, all right, well, well, you know, details up in the air, I'm sp- I suppose. So we'll find out, my, uh, Mike, down the road if these uh, these talent deals get locked in and at what yeah. price and. THR points out or uh, as well that like, uh, you know, what seemed expensive in 2018 now is not as expensive in 2022. So maybe their Paramount's okay, as Michael stated earlier, that uh, to spend the money on locking these people down. And maybe I imagine locking them down for multiple films, not just one film, so that they can get their money. We shall see. Uh, all right, Shannon, uh, take us into the world of trailerdom. What do we got? with trailers 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 so we've got three new ones one is our second look at something the other two are our first look at a couple of limited series so the first one we're going to talk about is our second look at the bad guys so this is the dreamworks animated film starring sam rockwell aquafina anthony ramos mark Marin, craig robinson zazie beats which is essentially a what happens when a bunch of bad guys try to go good um the first teaser was very very funny and kind of laid out that basic premise of what happens when bad guys try to be good guys and it just it looks like it's going to be just a super super fun super cute film um with this one we get a little bit more where it looks like mr wolf sam rockwell um does he want to go good or does he see this as a possible way of uh expanding their their badness even further um so i'll throw it to you guys first what did you all think of our second look at the bad guys mike uh i mean look i think it's the this was a little bit this was kind of fun because the first trailer i mean i think the thing that everybody took away from it overwhelmingly was like just a really different look for a dreamworks animated movie so even though everyone was excited about the concept and it looked really fun i think like the main thing that even we talked about was 
oh wow, look at these studios really pushing their animation styles. Like this is definitely a post Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse world where everyone is more open to mixing 2D and CG in cool ways and like a really kind of pushed style. So that's all still really, really neat. But yeah, like to your point, this was definitely more of a story trailer where we really got to dive into the fact that uh, the whole going good is basically, I mean, from what it looks like, it's like they get busted, they get caught and they're like, hey, let's pretend that we're going to go good so that we can stay going bad. And it just looks great. I mean, all the, all the comedy with all the characters looks hilarious. Uh, you know, and it also looks from a story standpoint, like that on this journey, Mr. Wolf decides that he wants to go good, but not everybody else on his squad necessarily feels the same way. So you start to go, okay, well, I think I see who the antagonist could be here. And I think I see what this could be. Um, it looks great. It looks like it looks like a funky animated Ocean's Eleven, and uh, you know I think everyone's super super stoked for it. So I'm definitely excited. DreamWorks is you know hit or miss. DreamWorks has How to Train Your Dragon and Shrek and some of these uh, franchises that are some of the best in the world of animation, mm-hmm. and then they have a lot of things that you were like that was fine. Um, so hopefully this is one for them that kind of like rises to the level of what they've got of what the of the best of what they have. Yeah, I like the trailer. You know, I did a trailer reaction for it uh, yesterday, and I really enjoyed diving back into this animation style. I am really seeing more of it. I mean, the piranha introduction, the water, the way it looks there, the, some of the um, cinematography in this uh, particular trailer were, was just incredible. The shark thing was really funny, especially when you think how King Shark was trying to go under disguise in Suicide Squad. And it was ridiculous in the Suicide Squad, but it somehow works in this animated world so well uh, with that Mona Lisa moment. But yeah, Mike, you make up a great point here. You're seeing the division uh, here kind of happening. The, t- the, the tail wagging of the big bad wolf there is the change, right? Oh, well, wow, what's this feeling? Yeah, I guess we can go good. Yes, let's start working with me. And the snake, of course, with all the uh, inference of the snake, both religious and otherwise, the inference, the snake in the grass, the sneakiness, the snake being the main antagonist to this situation. So we're going to have this maybe. battle. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Sense, I sense that. We might have this battle between these two factions within the group, uh, but we haven't seen what it is that they're, because I feel like there's got to be some kind of heist that they're going to go on or plan for, and the big bad wolf is going to change his mind, and that's going to cause the the riff uh, to play out in the final act of the film and how that all ends up here. But I loved it. And Steve, Iode, is it? Oh, sorry. Uh, Richard. Iode, whatever his name is. I can't remember his first name. Richard Iode. Huh? Was that Richard? I- yeah, Richard Iote. Iote. He's so good in that role as well. But I haven't seen him do much. I was not an IT crowd person, uh, and I didn't like that Penn Stiller film, so I haven't heard him do much. <laughs> so seeing him be a part of this, I thought was great as well. So yeah, all around, this looks very good, and I'm excited to see what we're gonna get. And I hope there's not cliche stuff about good guy, a bad guy's going good because we've seen it in a number of different films, animated or otherwise. So hopefully, there's a new twist on this. That'll be fun to explore. Well, I think the true heist is whether the bad guys can steal the audience's heart. And we're going to find out on April (laughs) April 22nd. Does he put this in the scripts he sends you? I feel like he does it. I feel like he just sends it for the fucking show. Oh, I know. Sometimes. And sometimes you'll go, "Eh, okay, I'll give it to him. And then sometimes you're like, oh, come on. What are you doing? Come on. What are you doing? I know the ones that are really bad when they come back in the next draft and they're not there. <laughs> I will tell you, I will tell you the best thing Shannon does. And it's like, every time I just like laugh is sometimes he'll have like for strawberry shortcake, spoiler alert, there's some fruit puns. Uh, and uh, the best part is when Shannon will put a fruit pun in the action in the script, but not say it out loud in dialogue. So like, he had one of the characters jumping over a bunch of barricades and he called them parricades. And I was like, that's cute. Nobody says this. Did you do it just for me? Is this a me pun? Like, why are you putting this in the script? But not, if you've got a pun, have somebody say it out loud, dude. Yeah, elevate your, you know, highlight your puns. Highlight your puns. That's Uh, where where I workshop. It's where I workshop. (laughs) (laughs) Our next trailer stars Andrew Garfield on the uh, victory lap that he's having from 2021. He's going to be doing his first limited series in the U.S. and it's called Under the Banner of Heavens. It's based on a book uh, by an author named John Krakauer and it basically sounds like the Mormon murder mystery. I mean, that's very broad strokes. 
But the uh, official is uh, a devout to Texas faith is tested as he investigates a brutal murder seemingly connected to an esteemed Utah family spiral into LDS fundamentalism and their distrust in the government. So this is a very short. This is about a minute, minute 15, maybe. But knowing that post tick, tick, boom, post uh, uh, no way home. Um, Andrew Garfield, it, as we've said before, is kind of having a moment here. And the fact that this is what he chose to do, an FX limited series where he's playing a detective, um, I think that speaks very highly of the potential of what this uh, of what this series could be. But gentlemen, what did you all think of our first look at Under the Banner of Heaven? Well, I enjoyed it. It's only a minute and 10 seconds, but it was great to see Andrew Garfield not be Jonathan Larson and remember that he's got these colors to him. So as great as he was in Tick, Tick, Boom, it's nice to see him kind of bring, and of course, Spider-Man, it's nice to see him bring this kind of um, unstable darkness to his character here as he explores this real story. And John Krakauer uh, did Into Thin Air, which is a fantastic book on Everest. He also did Into the Wild, which was great. Uh, I thought the adaptation was a good film for the most part. Uh, some spots, not so much, but so I'm curious. This is his third book, so it's like in series of writing. So it's interesting that they're going through his entire uh, resume of books here and turning them into either series or movies. But this is, yeah, based on a true story. This is the the Mormon situation, extremism of Mormon. It's based on the Lafferty brothers who actually did commit these murders and this idea of polygamy. So this is a fascinating decision to make because... You know, Mormons work really, really hard to destroy that idea of polygamy. And yes, it was a part of their religion, but they're the new modern Mor Mo uh, Mormonism is trying to kind of kill that stuff from the past and those ideas of the past, but having come up here, but also dealing with religious extremism. And aren't we dealing with that now in our current world with these fundamentalists who all of a sudden love Putin's Christianity and not, uh, you know, Biden's uh, approach to Catholicism? We're seeing the runaway element of religion really come back into our mainstream to be something we talk about um, over and over again. So I like that this is going to be a series that explores all of that from a past situation, but still echo into our current world. Mike? I mean, yeah, everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I thought it looked really great. I'm really curious about it. The one thing I will, I mean, and I, I think everything John just said is true, and I think it looks like a really fascinating thing. But the takeaway that I took from this trailer is, man, Andrew Garfield is really having a moment because yeah. as interesting as this looks as an FX limited series, mm -hmm. if he wasn't the lead, we wouldn't be talking about this right now on the Geek Buddies. Good like, point. we'd be like, that looks cool, I'll definitely check it out. But it's really nice for Andrew Garfield that he's at a point right now just coming off the year he had like Shannon said that we all watch this trailer and we're like oh yeah let's talk about it it's, it's Andrew Garfield's new thing like he is it's nice to see him getting the due he deserves because he was always a really good actor I do kind of feel like his Spider-Man movies kind of wrecked him for a little bit because yeah. even though everybody agreed that him and Emma Stone were the best part of those movies they did sort of tank and he kind of went off for a while, still did some stuff, but didn't have the the heat that he has right now. And so between Tick, Tick, Boom and No Way Home, him coming back to the point where here's a really good looking series uh, about a religious mystery mm. that touches on everything uh, you both said, but it's the Andrew Garfield part that has all of us going, oh yeah, we gotta check that out. So yeah. like, good for him and a hell of a game of werewolf that he played. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and, you know, this is an interesting cast too, Shannon. I mean, not, not just Andrew Garfield, also Sam Worthington's being a part of the Wyatt Russell. We see him riding the horse yep. in the trailer as well. So, And I, I'm not familiar with a, a number of the other cast, but Dustin Lance, Lance Black riding this, of yep. course, a guy who wrote Mil uh, uh, Milk uh, So uh, and, and, uh, and Big Love. So interesting guy to be a part of this thing as well. Yeah, and they don't have an official release date. It's just mm -hmm. spring 2022 right now, but it will be spring 2022 on FX. Yeah. And that brings us to our last trailer, which is also a limited series, but this one's for Showtime. It is a new adaptation of the Walter Tevis 1960 sci-fi novel, The Man Who Fell to Earth. And you want to talk about a uh, a cast, a murderer's row of actors. <laughs> You've got uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor as the lead, Naomi Harris, Kate Mulgrew, Rob Delaney, Jimmy Simpson, Clark Peters, Bill Nye. I mean, the show, it is just it is just stacked with 
incredibly, incredibly uh, uh, talented actors. Um, but for our audience that don't know, the, the basic plot is an alien comes to Earth looking for a way to get the folks from his home planet uh, to ferry them off, essentially, because his home planet is dying. Whether or not they stick to this, we'll find out. I mean, already it looks like uh, Chiwetel uh, Ejiofor's character's name has been changed. Uh, but either way, I think the show looks very, very intriguing. But gentlemen, what did you think? Well, I believe, and I could be wrong on this, um, because I'm not as familiar with the original, but mm. I believe this isn't a remake. It's a nope. follow-up to yep. the original series. So it's oh. not that uh, his name has been changed. He's actually a new character. So the events of the original, The Man Who Fell to Earth, happened yeah and he is a new alien from that planet that is coming to our planet to see what the fuck happened to david bowie's character who i believe bill nighy's playing bill nighy so i think yeah. uh so i think that it's an interesting take particularly because this is a series this is a movie that you know not as many people may be familiar with um so i'm sure they'll do a good job of sort of uh it's i believe alex kurtzman is behind this again so he's taking mm -hmm. a break from his star trekking to jump over here and do some more sci-fi stuff but I think they'll probably do a good job of like filling in the blanks of the original movie because they know that this is probably the first time a lot of people are going to be exposed to this world. But uh, the tr it looks fantastic. I yeah. mean, it looks really, really great. Uh, you know, as we were saying about uh, the the budget of things these days, like it looks like they really spent their money on it because you kind of have to these days because everyone else is. And I also will say, as much as we all clearly love. Star Trek and Star Wars as our two primary pieces of sci-fi, you know, Star Wars is a lot of times, as John is quite fond of saying, more often Western or samurai film than classic sci-fi. And Star Trek is very specifically one type of sci-fi, but there's all these great sci-fi novels and sci-fi stories that really kind of deal with humanity, where we're at, what's going on. And so it's really nice to see some more like uh, of the classic sci-fi stories coming back in a new and different way. Jesus Christ. One time I visited a prostitute during the war. My life's been a living hell ever since with that tweet. Um, <laughs> listen, I, yeah, I, I love, I, again, I did the trailer reaction, dropped it this morning because I wanted to look at the, I haven't had my computer in three days, so I was catching up on stuff, but I wanted to record a reaction to this because this looks fantastic. And as Mike points out, yes, it's a continuation of the story. I wonder if they're going to use elements that they didn't use. And in, in Nicholas Rogue's film, Nicholas Rogue directed it uh, in the 1970s. And this is one of the, this, I think this was the first starring film where David Bowie was the lead. Mm -hmm. And of course he did Quadrophene and other things uh, throughout his career here. But yeah, this is- this Labyrinth. Is a, Labyrinth, sure. Uh, this is out. a- Don't uh, you leave it out. Yeah, just, you know, pieces are unsettling. The, uh, the whole thing with with this film, the, with this series, though, I think is fascinating. It's going to an exploration here of global warming. It seems to be what they're going to, or what I'm reading here, that they're going to dive into. But I like that you pick someone like Chuetel Ejiofor to kind of lead this thing. And even the way he's interacting, you know, the way he's speaking, you can tell he's kind of having a different approach to this character than we've seen before with mm -hmm. David Bowie did. And Naomi Harris, anytime you get Naomi Harris to be a part of your project, your project is already... Uh, at another level she's so so good and i lost my mind that it was bill nye playing the character that david bowie newton from the original film because the original film is all about like this guy who comes to earth and then like he's he's a, a smarty scientist so we're advancing but he falls into this trap of alcoholism he falls into this trap of hedonism so it's about a wasteland that's also that's cultural and agricultural but also personal so this seems to be a completely different take. And the fact that bringing him back means like what? He survived. So what are the lessons he has learned as an older member of the same species that he might have conversations with, with Chuetel for? I like that they showed her family, his family, what they looked like with the eyes and stuff like that. It's really interesting. So this feels like it's gonna be a combo of Starman and the man who fell to earth, but also have something to say about the current issues going on in our world as we become more and more aware of the impact of global warming. And we've seen guys in in Peacemaker, this idea of who's gonna come in here and make us do the things we need to do so that we can survive as a species. It's not a coincidence that more and more of these um, projects are having this theme to them because people are becoming more and more aware of the fact that we could be leaving this planet as a species in the future very yeah, funny nearer than we thought yeah. it's, it's funny that you say that. i thought the same thing it's you know we for most of our lives when we had alien invasion movies the plot is usually whether it be 
Independence Day, Hasbro's Battleship. But like whatever it is, uh, <laughs> oh there's the uh, uh, um, <laughs> there's um the concept was always that we were sort of like one of those Goldilocks planets. Like we were like, oh, aliens want our planet because we've got water and we've got atmosphere and yes. we've got all the good stuff, and aliens want our shit. And between Peacemaker and this trailer and kind of some other stuff that I've been seeing and reading, it's funny how that has shifted to aliens coming and being like, hey, y'all are fucking this up. Stop. <laughs> Don't do that anymore. And I was like, well, culturally, you can really see where we're at as a species. That's so true. It's so true. Well, that's very interesting that it's a continuation. I did not know that. I knew it was a TV movie in the 70s, but that's fascinating. But we're all going to get to find out on April 24th on Showtime. Good to go. All right. Well, that wraps up our first section of the show here with our Geek Buddies items. We're going to take a quick break and then dive into our main topic to talk about this Oscars drama and controversy right after this it's good it's really good that's really good what you're doing it's really really good really good <laughs> maybe we shouldn't be saying hooray to this but you know it's, it's the thing that popped into my head I was confused about what you were uh, doing there. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> what is this guy doing, for God's sake? So, um, All right, so here we go, ladies and gentlemen. We just, uh, this happened earlier this week. Eight, we don't, well, let's, let's, lay the, let's lay the groundwork down. Over the last few years. Lay, lay, lay the groundwork on us, Johnny. Apologize. I apologize. Over the last few years, the Oscars have had a desire to hunt for ratings, to chase ratings. They've come up with all kinds of weird things, like having the, nominees actually on stage as they select the winner which is so weird they've uh, had different kinds of hosts they've had no hosts uh they've changed cat they've combined categories as we saw with the sound mixing uh situation there and we've seen them kind of approach this way of doing it we saw last year doing a COVID oscars uh having a more having a glenn close do twerk or whatever it is that she did all these kinds of approaches to try to make it more hip more modern Rather than embracing the Oscars for what they actually are, which is a night to celebrate film, and yes, a bit ostentatious at times, a bit condescending at times, but also something that absolutely loves the medium of film and worships the medium of film. Well, this year, in an effort to maybe tone down or an effort to kind of uh, open the door to cutting uh, time off of the Oscars, because that's been the big complaint from people who haven't watched the Oscars, supposedly it's too long. They have removed eight categories from the live telecast, documentary short subject, film editing, makeup and hairstyling, mu original score, music. The original score will not be announced live on the show. Production design, animated short film, short film live action, and sound, the aforementioned sound. So. Gentlemen, this is Will Will Packer is producing this, who has never produced a live event. He's only produced films and nothing. It's look, Will Packer is a great producer in Hollywood, got a big footprint, no doubt, and building. But this reeks of people not understanding what the Oscars really are and trying to chase an audience that is not gonna come back no matter what you do. Uh, and the fact that you've had both Josh Gad and John Hamm turn down being co-hosts of the Oscars when they were offered the possibility. Uh, Josh Gad coming out and saying he wasn't happy with them cutting these categories. That's why he's not doing it. John Hamm apparently behind the scenes butting head, butting heads with Will Packer about what they wanted to do here. So this just all of this feels like this is going to be a bit of a train wreck, even worse than last year was, in my opinion. But uh, Mike Shannon, who wants to talk first on this? What do you think about them cutting the categories? And do you think this makes sense? I mean, at this point, I, I think the days of the Oscar telecast where the entire country was tuning in, they seem to kind of be in the rearview mirror. Yes. Um, and, and, and the length could be a part of it. And there's certainly categories that when I'm watching it that I might not pay the closest attention to. But when your your entire ceremony is devoted to the love of film, to remove some very vital categories from that from that broadcast it it does seem like it's just very very tone deaf mm -hmm. uh, and it, 
it, it, it's film, editing, sound, production design, score, like those are so incredibly yeah. vital. Like you think about what Jaws would have been like without its score. Think about what Star Wars would have been like without its sound. I mean, it wasn't until George Lucas brought on or a, a new editor was brought on for episode four that they found the movie. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's really, really shocking. But at the end of the day, look, I mean, award shows just may not be for this new audience. I mean, I, I get that people like to watch the Grammys and people like to watch the MTV Awards because they're centered around musical performances. Mm -hmm. Maybe a show that's devoted to movies, I don't know. I mean, I, I love watching the Oscars. I love, I, I love when we get snippets from these incredible performances and these incredible films and that you do get some sort of musical performance from nominated songs. It it just sort of it just sort of reeks of tone deafness. Like I don't think this is this is the way to bring the audience back is to necessarily make it shorter. I think the people that want to be there they're going to be there. Mm -hmm. it, it it doesn't matter how long. I mean, you know, think about think about some major sporting events. If they're like, eh, we're gonna we're gonna cut the fourth quarter of this yeah. game. <laughs> I I can't see fans. Uh, uh, sitting idly by. So, yeah, I'm, it, it, it's it's a bit befuddling, to be honest. Uh, Mike, thoughts on this? I mean, look, I will say, let's see what they do. I mean, they didn't cut sure. the categories. The categories are going to be announced. We're going to find out who did get best score and best sound. It's just they're not doing it there. I don't think it's a good. I don't think it's a good idea. Mm. I think once we watch the Oscars, we'll all be like, well, that was dumb. Yes. Um, but. To be fair, let's see what they do. Every year, this happens every year. Every year, less and less people watch. Mm -hmm. And every year, they try, as you said, they try and do a bunch of things to try and get people to watch the next year. I, I do think, um, I think Shannon's right, it does reek of tone deafness, but I also think it's the most Hollywood thing in the world. So <laughs> uh, Hollywood, Hollywood trying, Hollywood, how do I say this? Hollywood having a bunch of opinions of what people want and being 100% wrong about those opinions is really the most Hollywood thing you can do. So in that way, they're right on the money. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody about this and it's just like, you know, there was a time, there was a time where if you were a TV executive, you were told explicitly, don't have a serialized show. People don't want to pay attention to it. They have to be standalone, which is why we got, you know, all of the procedurals that we got for years. And lo and behold, we now live in an era where it turns out people like those big stories. Mm. You know, before Marvel came along, well, shit, before X-Men came along, people were like, people don't want a superhero movie. And we are living in this era now. And then Marvel was told, you know, you can't make a bunch of movies that are all connected where people have to, like, follow. Like, every, over and over and over again, people are told, oh, adults won't watch animation. You know, you can literally go down the list of things that Hollywood thinks are true that are absolutely wrong. And so then you yeah. look at the Oscars where it's like, well, people aren't interested in this. People don't want this. People don't want that. And you're like, no, guys, the Oscars are boring. And you keep cutting things that are your strengths. Yeah. Like, you know, like Shannon said, people love the Grammys and the MTV Movie Award, uh, the MTV Music Awards because of the performances. But like last year's Oscars, the COVID Oscars, had literally no clips of yeah. any movies, yeah. nor any performances. So it is not surprising. Like, even if you loved movies, it was like the most boring award show you ever saw in your life. So when you have at your disposal every movie star, movie scores, dance numbers, musical performances, like, you can literally use all these things to give yourself a dynamic performance that people would actually want to talk and tweet about. Yeah. And you're like, you can do all that and keep your awards. So I think that... It's just one more in a long, long, long laundry list of things that people think they need to do to get an audience that will fail. And maybe eventually one day somebody will come along and say, hey, we should actually not give a shit yeah. about what anybody thinks. We should make the best award show that fucking celebrates the movies. And if people in middle America don't want to watch it, that's cool. And then you know what will happen? Everyone in middle America will watch it and say it was great. Yeah. I mean, how much longer do we let Billy Crystal get away with this? I mean, for God's sakes, him walking away from this Oscars is the whole reason why this has all happened. That son of a bitch. <laughs> that selfish son of a bitch. No, I'm joking. I, 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 I think that's an element of this as well that's really important to think about. Um, because I think if you have a main host that you can, can count on every year, and for years in, in times past, you know, Bob Hope, 
other people were the consistent hosts. Billy Crystal was the one that came along and people were like galvanized behind him. And I think if they had been able to transition to another host that could go on for a few years, then another host to go, I mean, like, like, a, like a new Doctor Who just getting regenerated. I think people would be 100% behind the situation. We look forward to see what that person's going to do. But we haven't been able to find that one MC, that one person um, who could do that. And, you know, we've had people come in and out, different approaches, some train wreck uh, situations like Hathaway and Franco. Uh, <laughs> and we've never had someone who just kind of slides into the role and does it like we saw with with Polar and um, Yeah, they were great at the Golden Globes or Ricky Gervais, at the Golden Globes. They found their host to work within their their. Uh, parameters and we haven't found someone like that and i think if we had had someone like that maybe there's a kind of ownership to it and kind of input on how to make it seem more fun and what have you and we get every 10 years or every eight years you just kind of find a new one and let that person be in control of the oscars or at least influence the Oscars. so it stays young or somewhere in that in that demographic that they're desperately trying to grab but that being said I also think the truth is here, I wish people would stop tinkering with it. Just let it be what it is. Stop listening to people whining and complaining. It is montages. It's a celebration of film. Bring out the actors and directors, producers, the, all the below-the-line people. Bring them out. Give them their time. Yes, tell them the speeches. Yes, play them off. That's the joy of it. And the ratings have not increased because you've made these changes. Quite the opposite year to year. So you might as well go back to what it was. Keep it that way eat the money a little bit and this is what i find fascinating because whatever channel it's on whether it's nbc abc or cbs they're all owned by a big studio now paramount universal and disney so the fact that you're there to celebrate film take the hit a little bit financially because those celebrate those films are being highlighted to benefit your um your uh, pocketbook in the end as a studio so to me i've never understood the complaining about this situation because to me it's like let the oscars just be the oscars and i guarantee you when it comes back to being a three and a half hour show it's gonna the ratings gonna go back up because the good people gonna be like oh it's what's old is new again and that's what's so frustrating the more they try to youtube the oscars or tiktok the oscars <laughs> the, the, the more stupid it becomes because then you end up like steve buscemi with the skateboard what's up young folks that's what they're trying to do and it doesn't work the oscars do not convey young and hip and they never have so let it be the staid institution that it is and stop trying to change it so much to turn it into the mtv fucking movie awards because that's the last thing i want it to be the tiktoskers the tiktoskers oh yeah you too it's like it's like doing a show with statler and waldorf over here. all right <laughs> <laughs> i do I, I mostly agree with you. The only the only part, and I do think the Oscars should just be the Oscars. I, the only part where I would disagree a little bit is, I don't think you just need to go back to the way it was. I think you can absolutely make changes to the Oscars. I think you can absolutely try new things. I think the problem is yeah. where the um, motivation comes from. When the motivation comes from, we should change this to be less of what it is to try and get right. more people, right. you're never gonna make the right choice. Yeah. It, it never works that way. If you come in to do the Oscars and go, you know what, I love movies. I love movies in the movie theater. I love movies streaming on my couch. I love movies more than anything. How do I make a three hour show that is just, how do I even make it love the movies even more? Mm. How do I make this the most epic love letter to movies? Even like, fuck, fuck every, fuck all the celebrities and their fancy this. Fuck an MC who does like funny little bits that are kind of funny. Like, how do we just make this the ultimate movie lovers experience? Yeah. And then you make a bunch of changes. I guarantee you those changes will be received better because they came from a really honest place. That's and you can see yeah, it again. You can see it all the time in movies yeah. when they make changes to movies uh, or characters that we love um, or superhero costumes to make them more accessible. Like anytime they try and change a character or a story or anything because the audience won't get it or we should really do something that appeals to X, whoever yeah. X is, mm -hmm. it never works. And when you're like, let's be true to what this is and do it in a different way, you're usually going to be more successful. So they should probably take a note from a lot of the movies that get nominated and follow in that footsteps. And also this idea of cutting. Yeah, Michael's right that these categories are not being cut from the Oscars in terms of the fact they're not awarding those awards. They are. But the implication here by not having them on the live broadcast is you don't see them as important. They're and less the fact that score, you're going to tell me score isn't, 
fucking important or production design. I can get, I get the documentary short or the animated short. I understand that because people don't go out and see those in droves. Totally get it. But there's no way the best picture is winning without great scores. There's no way the other stuff isn't winning without great production design or great makeup and haircut. I mean, all of that stuff, that's essential. Do you know what I'm saying? That's essential to the overall um, acceptance or uh, prestige of a film is having all of that in combination uh, working together to get the overall effect. You don't just get best picture because, hey, I'm the producer and I produced it. No, there was all these other elements that that went into creating that um, film. And I would argue score more often than not has helped a film win a best picture or even be in consideration. No fucking way Chariots of Fire wins best picture without that great soundtrack. Those things are so essential uh, to making people feel the mood of a movie when they're watching it. So uh, I just felt it was, I think that's, to me, that's the biggest category that is the biggest insult. Um, But you look at production design, I mean, Dune, how does Dune work without incredible production design? Or when you look at makeup, you know, how does Lord of the Rings work? How do these fantasy films work without great makeup? And, And some of these superhero films, without great makeup or sci-fi films. So to me, it's just insulting to put them as something that, oh, nobody cares. We'll just announce them and we can cut those because we want to get to the celebrities. We want to get to the actors and the directors. All of that oh, is just a bit well, frustrating. You can't make the movies without them either. Not true, but <laughs> they don't have to be elevated above the people who are you know, making them look good. I mean, cool. and yes, they are. They're going to record them like the, I think an hour before the show. Um, and so they've done this in the past where then they, they say they're, they're kind of folded into the broadcast, yeah, the technical, it's super, whatever. Yeah. It's super quick. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you just kind of, it, it, it just makes the contribution of those artists. It does make them seem less than, and a, a movie is not just the director. A movie is not just the star. I mean, there are so many moving parts and to, to sort of, rob them of that moment i don't know yeah it just it's it's a bummer and even though like i do agree with you in principle john like the shorts like yeah you 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 could do those but at the same time in the past you've had oh you've had some of of the sweetest acceptance speeches yes you're right come from some of those folks who 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 you know literally just had a story that they wanted to tell yeah and this This, is this was never the end goal and then to see them like there are some really fantastic moments that I think as an audience, we will be missing by then doing this. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. And I wonder, I mean, because as I said, Will Packers never produced a live event. I wonder how much, as Michael pointed out earlier, the idea, how much does he love the Oscars, love film? You know, does he love the really, the history of film? Uh, I think it's important. And too many people default to the last 30 years. Or I don't watch black and white movies. You should not be, nobody should be in charge of anything dealing with the Oscars if you don't love black and white films. You, just, you should fucking shouldn't be, because then you don't understand the foundational piece of the Oscars, and I think it's important in a film, to be honest with you, and that's just my POV. And I'm not saying Will Packer, do, Will Packer does, but I'm just saying I sense from the last few years that any of those producers, whoever they are, just didn't really understand the history of films and how important it is to our world, in my opinion. And it, to add one more thing, yeah. I mean, I think there, there's two categories that need to be added with casting and, That's and another, stunts. Absolutely. That's another part of this. When does that get added if we're starting to cut these categories from live broadcasts? That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, but the, up to, the possibility is here where you have a online one hour ceremony before the big ceremony where you give out those awards, that's a possibility. Maybe that's the way you do it. And so you can add stunts and casting there or another uh, award category uh, to fit into there. That, I guess that may be something. That I'll tell you what I want. I want who, the, the five nominees for best stunts. Mm-hmm. I want them to announce them. But instead of showing a clip, I want them to all like rappel down from the ceiling or just like drop and like land. Like the nominees are, come on, I, it would so- be great. Those are very. E- that's a very easy stunt, Michael. Let them do something uh, a little more grand. Oh, okay, okay. You know what? I've heard some stories about your repelling days where you had some rough mornings. Like, Hello. Let's just, let's just, I've heard some stories, oh, Mr. Boy. John Connor in the T2 show. Hey, man. The theme park awards I kill at. <laughs> 
All right. Well, there you go. Uh, let's wrap the show up there. Thank you all so much for joining us on this brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. We appreciate it madly when you hang out with us, whether you're listening to us on the podcast or watching us here on the Outlaw Nation. We appreciate it madly. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter. It's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. I just realized the new format. I'm like, oh, this is a change. If you would yeah. like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mike? Uh, if you like listening to me and Statler and Waldorf over here talk about all things movies and you want to continue, uh, we would love your help continuing. So here's what you can do. Uh, you can hit the like button below. You subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. There's lots of amazing content there. Uh, some with the geek buddies, some with other buddies. Uh, definitely leave some comments below. Let us know what you thought of, uh, the Batman when you see it. Let us know what you think about this Star Trek news. Let us know what you thought about all the trailers and definitely let us know what you think about the Oscars, how would you handle the Academy Awards? Uh, let us know in the comments. If you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere podcasts are available, leave us some stars and some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it through your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them that they should be our buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. How would I handle the Academy Award? With strength, I hear they're heavy. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> do you believe in life after death? Every time I leave this theater, there it is. All right, well, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for joining us here. We appreciate it. Y'all take care of yourselves. Be well and look out for our a spoiler review of Uncharted. We're going to record that. And, of course, next week we will be recording reviews, both non-spoiler and spoiler, for The Batman. So look out for that as well. We'll have all kinds of content coming to you for The Batman here from The Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.